It's a memorial to triumph and tragedy this week with the Quebec Bridge disaster on Body Count. Hello and welcome to Body Count, the podcast where we believe history doesn't repeat itself. It does rhyme, however. My name is Jessica Manor and my co-host today. Hello, everyone. It is Bethany Skelton. (laughs) I just, your customer service voice you just presented with us today. (laughs) Yes, because let me tell you, people, we've been deep diving into studies about how much people don't and certain demographics don't love our voice. We don't care. It's in, I mean, that's the thing about our world. Nobody's going to agree on everything. Nobody's going to like everything that we like. And it is what it is. That's so. the fun part, though. I've been so goddamn concerned about worrying Why? about. I've been so worried about whether or not people are going to agree with the subject matter. Oh. And trying to do serious, like, methodology and serious historical research that it never occurred to me. That they just might not like our voices. <laughs> <laughs> Particularly my man voice. It puts people off. I get honestly, I have known you for so long. And even trying to think back to when we first met, I just I don't see it. I mean, I don't hear it. <laughs> I don't hear the issue that they, you know, they have, but it is what it is. And I, you know what? Apparently, people, there's a percentage of people that don't like my voice either, which I've always been told that I have a, you know, a a very... I um, think you have a very melodious voice. You told me that. I was like, oh, hello. It's very... Melodious. (laughs) Mm, Hey, hello. I've got a melodious voice. Point of the fact is, we're not going to change jack shit. So if you like it, you like it. And if you don't, you don't. Fuck off. We just don't care. (laughs) No, not at all. No, we don't. So, Bethany... Yes. <laughs> First off, you made my day. Because, okay, guys, we take it serious when we make a historical, or a historical, could I be more from Texas? When we make an historical vow, like vow on this show, we take it very, very seriously. And we have not been reading any, like, royal news, period. Yeah. You and I both. No, I've like skipped over it. Like ever since we did that four part series on Edward, like every time I get a notification, Meghan Markle um, is apparently, I don't know, jumping on a beanbag. And I'm like, I don't <laughs> read that shit. Okay. Like, I, I don't know. Like, Meghan Kate Markle Martin plans to give natural birth upon a trampoline. <laughs> Kate Middleton is currently pregnant with her 10th child. I mean, seriously, like, uh, I just, I'm kind of over it. she's only eating trout uh, farmed by Prince Charles at Balmoral. Yeah, exactly. No. <laughs> We're fucking over it. We've done a really good job. But I will say, tonight, guys, we did a solid hour of just me and Bethany breaking down and looking at royal news. I will, yeah. I will say that we will be accountable to our listeners. And we encouraged everybody to not think of them like everybody else and to not pay attention to them. But we had a slip tonight. And I feel like we have to Mm -hmm. acknowledge that because we did a solid 
hour of royal family trolling. Yeah, but we also, I mean, we like you said, exactly. We trolled. We didn't like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. It was flat out, oh my God, let me read you this article real quick. That's true. <laughs> That's true. We did troll it hard. It's not like we were like, oh my God, they're so amazing. I shouldn't use that voice either. That's definitely not going to get us any lovers. <laughs> I think it's awesome. Let me do my sexy voice. Mm, come and listen to our <laughs> podcast. Don't you love our podcast? Don't you want to listen? Don't you want to click subscribe, rate, and review? <laughs> As you can tell, Ask Clowns, we've been drinking. Yes. I'm drinking wine. What are you drinking tonight? I am also drinking wine. I like Ooh. my wines. Um, yeah. um, I mean, I have to drink my wine. I love my wine at night, especially. If I could get away with it during the day, I would. However, I have to still be a parent and do homework. And I'm not going to lie to you. I don't care that my kid's only in second grade. That shit's hard. Okay. It's just so extensive. It's just so so extensive. You see, my kid was three when your kid was in kindergarten. So I I had no clue in the world what you were talking about with sight words and all that bullshit. Chunk words. Chunk words and and cousins and rhyming words. I was like, what's Mm -hmm. this bitch talking about? I speak the English language very well and I write it far better than I could ever speak it. What is she talking about? Well, I've realized they've really revolutionized the way that people speak and the way that people spell, if you will do the work. And mm-hmm. I think that's the key, do the work. Um, did you laugh real hard at my tweet today about uh, a kid's homework versus a mom's homework? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, God. Well, congratulations, Mom. When he gets a 13 on the ACT, we'll all know what that's about. Mm-hmm. Just for our listeners' sake, it was a, a drawing of a plant's cell structure, which was clearly done by a child of the appropriate age. And it, I thought it was excellent work. Did you not? I mean, to be for honest, a kid of that I age. Thought- but I didn't understand what it was. Oh, it's a plant cell. Okay, see, that's the thing is, it's like I saw it and I knew it was funny, but I didn't know the extent of it because I was like, I don't even actually know where the picture is. I was like, damn, I feel dumber than this kid that drew this <laughs> picture. Like, okay, this is what I'm just going to drink my <laughs> wine. <laughs> oh, God. Dude, <laughs> but back to wine, like, really quickly, and we're going to come back to the plant cell. Like, I have gotten a craving for it, whereas normally I'm just a vodka drinker. Um, mm. Clear liquors are just for, in the words of Ron Swanson from Parks and Rec, clear mm. liquors are for which, rich women and women on diets. And I am perpetually <laughs> a woman on a diet. So that is why I do clear liquor. Plus it gives me a clearer head, but I have got such a taste lately for wine. I cannot stop it. But back to the plant (laughs) cellular structure. So just for everybody, so they know it's a, it's a drawing clearly done by a child, but it's done by a second grader 
And guys, it's really fantastic for a second grader. Think about that, Bethany. That's a second grade kid. That's, that's my kid. And I can't get my kid well to write done. a sentence and put a period at the end of the fucking sentence. And then I have to remind him every time, capitalize the beginning of a sentence. And, put and a you period. have to at least put a punctuation, some sort. You make sure it's a question. Is it a question? Put a it's question mark. Derogatory, you know, like declared it. Pick one, son. I don't care what it is. Just put, put something one. on the end. Exactly. <laughs> I have to remind him every fucking time. And here's the second grader drawing a beautiful plant, whatever. It is, it is phenomenal. And that's what struck me about it is you could tell a bunch of the other kids' mom had done their work, moms had done their work. And then they had done their work and it was very, very, and then other kids had done their work and it was very, very half-assed. But this was a perfect, like, scientific drawing of a plant cell. And then right next to it is clearly a Pinterest mom's, like, having done the project for their child. So I sent out a tweet today and I took a picture of what I thought was a wonderful piece of like children's homework they had really done the work they had really put in the time and mm-hmm. i captioned it a kid's homework and then i took a picture of a clearly pinterest mother's mm-hmm. work and i put good job mom on your kid's homework and then like captioned it something smart ass like don't be surprised when they get a 13 on the act and don't get into one of the big three, you know, like, yeah, it, it just struck me so yeah, hard. Because the other, the Pinterest mom definitely has like a shoe box with like this cutout it and is. like all these pop up like labels. Whereas the other kid, like it's on a plain sheet of paper. They titled like, it, they, but they drew it and then drew off like the little, like, like you do see, like you see in science books. Like you has, see like, in science books. And then and it, it like gives you like a, a little platform so you can write the name of the. But the child clearly drew it with a ruler. And oh, that yeah, it was really phenomenal good. to me as a second grader's work. And I'm like, ugh, that kid's miles, like miles and miles above yours, lady. I was so bored by you doing your child's work. So, FYI, mothers, those of us like Bethany and I who are like, eh, no, you did that for your kid. And those that make our kids do it, our kids may not be as pretty as ruler kids, but right. we at least know they learned something in the process. Yeah. And that's so, the whole point of this podcast is we learn something, in, something the, in the freaking process. process. <laughs> that's what I was getting to. And that is why I <laughs> tweeted it today. Like, it may not be pretty. It may not sound pretty, but at least you learn something. Exactly. Also, so let's learn something. Let's learn something right now. Let's learn something really quickly, though. Can we just acknowledge that there's a magazine called Gardens and Guns? Oh my God, what are you doing? <laughs> like, what? You told me that earlier, and I was like, I'm confused. Is it like. We a just want to share that. And a section about like gardens? I or, have like, no people? idea. I thought it was a porn magazine like 110 <laughs> percent mm, look at these fresh gardens and these uh, various step guns that is not the case folks oh my god it's like a garden party in fucking nevada man like gardens and guns 
Yes. <laughs> Clevin Bundy has been invited to this garden party. Just so you know, Bethany, he's that <laughs> asshole that like his whole troop held up that uh that wildlife sanctuary. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's I that the, the that's I the Clevin that. Bundy group. So now that we've established one, that learning can be painful and two, we just <laughs> don't give a shit. Let's get <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because it's true. Um, let's oh my get... god, Brittany! I can't oh believe you god, said it. Yes, I was hoping you were gonna say. I can't believe you said it. You were thinking it. Yeah, <laughs> you said it. You said it. Oh, <laughs> oh okay. my god, guys! You know I am officially done with the oh you might not like this this is why disclaimer is really quick we're gonna run you through the whole bullshit that we run you through every week like it's just the way it is we have to do it we apologize but we have to do it for those that are new those of you that have been here you're aware of what's wrong with us and we aren't going (laughs) to apologize to you. So just like you kind of know what you're getting yourself into by now. We hope we're kicked back on the couch. We're going to break down some disturbing history. That's just the way that it goes. If we get this out of our crazy, fantastical brains, it alleviates some of our bullshit anxiety, just like the tiniest little bit. And in a world where there's, like stressors around every ridiculous corner. It just, it helps us. Like, I really do believe that it helps us. And if any of you suffer from anxiety out there, like, please listen to this podcast and say, oh, thank you, God. Mm-hmm. It's gone. Mm-hmm. We're not going to be your boring history class. We're not going to be your high school science class. We're not going to be that man that all of you want that lecture you about really sexy history. We're just not going to be that. That's not who we are. Um, but we like to process events and maybe learn a lesson from them. And that's just what we do here. Yeah, we want to entertain. We want to entertain you. you. Because you can be bored by anybody else's history lectures. (laughs) So if you're like looking for that Hoover-esque, just the facts, ma'am, sort of history, and on occasion we will say true crime where it is applicable, Mm -hmm. glad you stopped by. We're just not going to be for you. End of the day, we're just not going to be. So um, we're going to go ahead and jump onto our housekeeping. Okay. If you like the show, please, please, please rate review subscribe because god knows people don't love my voice so (laughs) if you love bethany's voice please go rate review and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts it's not to like blow the fucking fan up our skirts that's not what we're asking (laughs) you to do although we it's nice to get airflow from time to time It's nice to say nice things about other people, but what it does is it helps us move up the charts. It helps us very much get subscribed, reviewed by other people. And it also kind of helps us out on the business end. So that's yeah. why we always ask you guys to do that. I know it doesn't make a lot of sense, but it, it's very, very important to us on the business end. So, Bethany, are we ready for today's yeah. subject? Let's get it going. Let's do it. Do you want me to do my retail voice again? Yes. Do you girl. want me to do my bank voice? 
Oh, yeah. Do your bank voice. I like your bank bank voice. voice. You like my bank voice. You're about to close that deal, baby. Let's do it. Let's get that signature on that paper, sweetheart. Mm. Oh, my God. Like, I feel, like, slightly uncomfortable only because it kind of turned me on a bit. It should. It should. Because God knows I'm sewn into that pencil skirt by now. (laughs) Today, we're discussing the construction and subsequent collapse of a world record cantilever bridge, the Quebec Bridge. It stands as a tribute to the triumph of the human spirit. But before it was finished, it was all about tragedy as it collapsed not once, but twice. Our body count this week, 89 lives. (laughs) I'm sorry. I mean, I shouldn't laugh. That's we're not. I'm not laughing at the 89 lives. No, I'm we're not laughing, laughing at, at the 89 lives. We're laughing at my ass clownery. Just so everybody knows, <laughs> your, your douchebag canoe. Oh God, you guys! Bethany introduced me to douche canoe as a term tonight. Douche, douche canoe, and it was just. It was almost more than I can handle, and and. <laughs> Look there it up are, in Urban Dictionary. Uh, there welcome. are various reasons. We'll get, when we get to counterculture, we'll get to why we've spent a lot of time in the freaking Urban Dictionary recently. <laughs> I didn't know it was a thing ex- that like existed until recently, and I think it's absolutely fantastic. Um, staunch, anyway. <laughs> staunch promiser as I am of the real dictionary. The Urban Dictionary is worth a try. So... Let's go back, Bethany, to the latter half (laughs) of the 19th century. Now, there's an economic boom of economic fucking booms going on. The boom of booms. The boom of booms. So it sparks the Industrial Revolution, and it rolls right on up to eastern Canada and sets its eyes firmly on Ontario and Quebec. Yay, Canada! uh, Oh, Canada. (laughs) Now, as as the country of Canada preps for the 20th century, the first international rail line between the state of Maine and the province of Quebec was established in 1852. From Portland to Montreal, twin railways began to become like the tense way of moving goods and people between our two countries. But Mm -hmm. the provincial capital of Quebec City is cut off and Mm. has like a big river-shaped problem right in the way by the name of the St. Lawrence River. So the trade routes between the province of Quebec, especially the city of Quebec, and the northeastern U.S., it's flourishing. Like, shit's going crazy. I don't know what to tell you. And no surprise there, as I hear in Vermont, is they're, they're just as into woodworking and syrup <laughs> and, like, house flipping and shit, whatever, like, <laughs> you cold weather people are all about. We're kidding Canada. We're so kidding Canada. We're so kidding Vermont. We're just kidding. Yes, we love you. We love your skiing and your your moose and your songs and the people. (laughs) You all are great. Your beers and your hockey. We're into all of the things you like. (laughs) 
we we love you all. Okay. Bethany, that, that was so <laughs> wonderfully stilted. It was we love your skiing and your mountains and your countryside. <laughs> and the people and literally every fucking thing. <laughs> Dude, I read the other day, like, or maybe I heard it on last podcast. No, I heard it on last podcast side stories where there was like a carjacking in Canada where the carjacker literally apologized. And I thought it was like I hearted that story so much. It was great. <laughs> I'm sorry, eh? <laughs> I'm sorry, eh? Uh, <laughs> so Oh, God. Bethany, why'd you do that to me? Because now I'm going to laugh. <laughs> so, we're back in our story. There was an insane, like, need for quick transportation of goods and services to the U.S. and back. You have to export, I don't know, like, sugar we stole from Banana Republics to make, like, syrup <laughs> and fucking waffles. I don't know. Again, Canada. <laughs> We are so, like, joking. You're so fucking nice that it's refreshing. So the, like, we're just not clever enough to think of anything other than to come at you for maple syrup. And that's yeah. quite frankly where we're at. So. Yes. <laughs> the authorities of Quebec City ask an American engineer. Oh, look at them bringing in immigrants. Isn't that nice of Canada? <laughs> So, again, we heart you, motherfuckers. Again, we joke because our brains are literally fried, guys, from the amount of research we're doing on other stuff. We're we're, we're wind out. And we're wind out and we're brain dead. And we don't know what to tell you otherwise. But an American engineer had, like, come to check out the sitch on this river building stuff, right? Yeah. So what's, the going on? what's going on? What's happening? What's happening river-wise <laughs> and, and bridge-wise? Mm. So the engineer concludes, sorry, Canada, like you have no option. I hate to break it to you guys, but build that bridge. <laughs> I love that show. Move All right that, that bus. Yes. Thank you, Bethany. I love that show. That reference was from. I am so excited. Now, for Quebec City to continue development, a bridge it must be. There's no damn choice. So, 1887, the new new Quebec Bridge and Railway Company began soliciting designs from bridge-building firms. I love, can I just say, (laughs) that there are firms solely diverted the like devoted and like all their energy at this time goes to bridges. Like, yeah, <laughs> Ernie here. He's an engineer. Have him check out your plans. No, no. I only do bridges. Like, <laughs> like hey, no, sorry. And then it can even go any further. Like, oh, I only do little bridges, not <laughs> bridges. You're going to have to go see Matt. He is the one uh, that can do the big bridges, I think. Bethany, but then you might have to check you, with Susan. She <laughs> probably controls that department. You bitch. I just threw up like wine back into my nose and nasal cavity. When you got to when you got to Matt, like I oh my god, I was so done. Oh god. Oh. 
No, and then when we got to Susan, I further snarked it, like uh, I further snorted it up into the sinus cavity. Like I, it was already up there, but it went all the way up when you got to Susan. That bitch. Um, so, consultant on the project is one of the U.S.'s like leading bridge engineers, Mr. Theodore Cooper. Now, Cooper is in his late sixties by this time, which. 1800s, early 1900s standards. Like, what was that, Bethany? A thousand if you're in your late 60s yeah, at that time? Yeah. Hello, I'm a thousand and my name is Theodore Cooper. It has to be. Like, they were, oh, wow, he's still alive. He must have knowledge. Regardless, <laughs> Cooper. He's the oldest person I know. <laughs> he's the oldest person living. He must know how bridges are built. Tag an engineer <laughs> pen upon him. Oh, God. <laughs> Give him the incense and myrrh. Oh. <laughs> oh, my God. Regardless, Cooper had like this long standing, star spangled career erecting bridges in the U.S. Hello. Is he dead? Hey. What's up, Teddy Cooper? I so, mean, and it's bridges. It's erecting it's on bridges. Both sides. It's erecting together. <laughs> Touch in the middle. Tip, tip. <laughs> tip, tip, tip. And tip. he's erecting and docking. That's just the oh, way God. it is. <laughs> I learned what that term was recently. If you don't know. You're welcome. What's the other name for it? Uh, snoodle. Snoodles. Snoodler docking. If you are unaware of those terms, please look it up. It will. Urban Dictionary. <laughs> It will give you, you might be you might, you be, might be petrified. <laughs> you might be petrified, or it might give you a new lease on life. Quite frankly, we're not here to judge. We can't because we're idiots. <laughs> oh god! Oh, so Theodore Cooper takes a gander at all these here plans, so many plans, and says, "Uh, yes, please." To the cantilever bridge design proposed by the Phoenix Bridge Company of Pennsylvania. Now, before retiring, Cooper really wanted to, like, whip it out and measure. His crowning (laughs) achievement was going to be this bridge. He was Mm -hmm. going, like, out on top. And Mm -hmm. why not? He was known to be a proud, ambitious man. Served him well. Thus far in life, right? Right. Until it didn't. And (laughs) until it didn't. (laughs) Until it didn't. And that's how these stories really tend to go for us here at Body Count. So as he gets an idea to cut costs, everyone gets like this collective idea that, oh yeah, let's put on a show. Let's Let's cut some costs. Thanks, cost cutters. You know, that's God. that tends to be what happens in America, Canada. Learn this lesson because you didn't back then. <laughs> we, right. Everybody wants to get in on it and they want to start cutting costs and they want to start cutting equality. And that's, or equality. Well, that's a different <laughs> argument altogether. That's a whole other bag of dicks. We're going to get... Oh, thank you, Bethany, for using it before I did. We're going to get to that bag of dicks very soon. But, like, cutting quality. What do you think about that, Bethany? I mean, 
honestly, it's kind of we kind of have to say thank you to those people because otherwise we wouldn't have a show. We wouldn't have a we wouldn't thank you for not doing your job so that we can have a job that talks shit on you. I'm so doing the one you. thing that our producer tells me not to do, and that's slow the clap. Slow clap. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there Sorry. are other things he specifically tells me not to do, but you guys don't get it because he cuts it out because he's like a golden <laughs> god. Um, but I'm going to slow clap that because we really wouldn't have a show without that. So consulted on the project as one of the U.S.'s leading bridge engineers, Theodore Cooper. Cooper's in his late 60s again by this time. We're in... Mm-hmm. Once again, our standard 1800s. Um, Now, Cooper gets this bright freaking idea that he's going to tweak the original plans a bit. That's where it always goes wrong for us, isn't it, Bethany? And so he decides to move the support piers a little closer to the shore. This was less expensive than building support beams in deeper waters and shaved like a year off construction. But I'm not sure that cost was necessarily as big a motivator, a big motivator for Cooper. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. I mean, he gets paid the big, like the big bucks either way, right? Yeah. So, no. So, yeah, this little plan revision. And I think you're going to be right on this theory, Bethany. I think I know what you're thinking. It would make the Quebec Bridge the longest cantilever bridge at the time. Mm -hmm. I mean, his first decision, and like you could argue his most important decision, was to tweak the plans, which would take the bridge from 1,600 feet to 1,800 feet. <laughs> mm-hmm. Of course he did. Of course he did. Well, it appears he intended to uh, actually like whip it out in real time for fun with that decision. So construction kicks off in the spring of 1904, and by the summer of 1907, the bridge is like halfsies. It's like half complete. Oh, fact. Uh. This is where we're going to get back into that equality issue. It was a slip of the tongue because this was already on my mind, folks. So, fact, most of the workers came came from the nearby Kahnawaga Reservation. Oh, not so nice now, are you, Canadians? God, is there no story in North America that is complete without Native people's dying because white people have to have measuring contests I not know. one Mm-mm. not one bethany and we have covered many here and mm-hmm. i just feel like every time it's a measuring contest against somebody's native peoples yeah Ugh, it's depressing as shit like wow is. i mean and you just really i mean he really did just whip it out obviously he's not satisfied with the length so he's like let's get the natives they can make it bigger Uh, like okay you want to know the really and i don't know if this is true and i'm gonna ask if we have any kanawaga like listeners which i seriously freaking doubt i am gonna ask missy about this because i believe she is first nation 
They said in multiple documentaries and in multiple documents that I, I continue to read about this. And guys, this comes from such an amalgamation of sources today. I, I can't even begin to cite them all. And I'm just not going to, quite frankly. I've had a rough week and I'm doing Gigas Khan and there's too much citing going on already. So they said, particularly about this people, that they were great steel workers because for some reason they don't get vertigo. That's offensive as hell, right? Like, like I'm sorry. Like, I am sorry I got quiet. Like, I just didn't. I thought like, that was offensive unless they don't I'm get offended. vertigo. But oh. I feel like that's a little bit of a generalization and a really offensive statement there. I don't know. I that's why know. I didn't say anything. I was like, wow, I, that kind of offended me. <laughs> like I was offended by it because uh, yeah, I continue to read it. And again, I may be wrong. They might not experience vertigo, but I don't feel like the elevation there is any different. I don't. I, it's just everywhere I read, it was like, oh, they were fantastic steel workers because they do not experience vertigo. Excuse you? It- <laughs> Oh, wow. What did you just say? (laughs) That seems a bit broad. Yeah, so it was like super offensive. So you understand while I was going into this, I was like, oh, God, like, why? (laughs) Now, the Katawaga workers didn't, and I could be saying that wrong, so I could be super super offensive right now i don't think i am saying it wrong though i think i'm saying it correctly so we're gonna go ahead and go with that i mean i'm not gonna even attempt because i will offend somebody with my (sighs) i'm pretty sure it's kanawaga workers couldn't like get these kind of wages anywhere else at the time that that they were getting on the bridge so it's going to be understandable that they would take some pretty big risks to keep the money coming in and trust me, Bethany, you're going to ask me later why it is um, that uh, some of these people would continue to show up for work. But again, I just want you no, to know I, I totally this get in it. Mind, you know, no, I totally get it. Like you're, we're talking about a very, very and they're probably paid like barely minimum, you know, That's amount. Exactly of right. So, like they were no, getting fucked to- hardcore. And so oh. here they are from like a dollar an hour to ten dollars an hour. Like. I don't care. You've got a family to feed. I'm going to show up. You and I both know we're going to show up. Like if you've got a family to feed, that's just the way yeah. it is. That's the workforce. Yeah. Like get over yourself. So yeah. again, everybody that's working on this project, because you are building the largest cantilever bridge ever, understandably, we're like pretty spooked from the beginning. But every time someone like expressed apprehension or freaked the fuck out, for lack of a better term, somebody Mm -hmm. from all the companies was either like right there or immediately right there to reassure them. Um, Mm. It's like they were the bridge whisperers. (laughs) They're there. They're there. There's (laughs) nothing to there's nothing to fear. Nothing to fear. Tis just a bridge. A particularly long one. Don't worry about it. Just go ahead. Take it. Take the whole bridge in. (laughs) God, I'm going to do my, like, reverse Jimmy Carr laugh. So, cut to the summer of 1907. 
workers are starting to have to be coaxed to work as everyone's begun to suspect there's a pretty big problem, which mm-hmm. when you're talking bridges is always a big problem. Yeah. A monumental problem. So as construction <laughs> continues, the inspecting engineer discovers the big problem finally on June 15th. He notices the alignment of two girders is off by about a quarter of an inch. So on August 6th, bending is detected in the bridge. The lower support beams, members, I don't know, for lack of a better term, during a routine inspection by the same engineer, and now this is Theodore Cooper's site manager, Norman McClure, were definitely looking more and more bent. Turns out the uh, dead load of the bridge had been vastly underestimated during the plan tweaking. Cooper mm-hmm. um, like presents his idea. The Phoenix Building Company modifies the plans, etc. It goes to the Quebec Building and, and Railway Company. And the stress of the load was proving to be far too much for the bridge. But no one had yet to figure this out. Like, the news makes its way down to Cooper in New York, who immediately contacts John Sterling Dean, head engineer of the Phoenix Bridge Company, to ask, like, what the fuck, dude? What's going on? What Uh do you think Dean's response was, Bethany? Oh, let me guess. He was like, Oh, nothing to see here. Get back to work. Yo, nothing's wrong. I just feel like it's a reoccurring theme here. Oh, God. I feel like we're too far into this podcast now when we already (laughs) know the answer to that question. So what did he say? Am I right? Oh, God, Bethany, you're exactly right. I mean, maybe it was too (laughs) focused on the heavy loads the bridge was taking. I mean, there was a lot of tweaking and a lot of tweaking, a lot of bending, a lot of heavy loads. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Oh, God. We are, we're children. We can't talk about bridges. So. You're exactly right. Essentially, it was it. Don't worry about it. Hey. Um, eh? <laughs> eh. <laughs> the metal just left Phoenixville, Pennsylvania. Already bent, bro. Like, um, so it's not strange that it looks like it's bending, dude. Like, get over yourself. Like, the shit yeah. left here bent, man. So that seems to be the general vibe. So, okay, my follow-up is, what were the credentials at this time to be called an engineer because this guy was called an engineer but he certainly doesn't seem to be an engineer like thomas cooper is an engineer you know what i'm saying was it like doctor and you just put a sign out that said yeah bro i'm a doctor (laughs) shit i could do that it's what i am i could do that i can pull teeth or like cut out appendices appendixes i just feel like it today like i i don't Honestly, no. But I mean, like Cooper and his guy seem to be the only engineers at all in this business on site. So despite the company running around and still yelling, it's fine. We said it's fine. Even the workers can't ignore what they are continuing to see with their own eyes. They are like literally drawing chalk lines and shit. And then coming back the next day to see that the lines are now uneven. Wow. That's like 
hello, here's your literal sign. <laughs> I, I have literally drawn you a fucking picture. <laughs> can you not see? It might just be a sign. It's so Picasso, but you can clearly see the line has fucking moved. Let me do the Lasso Cave paintings, you know? Like, what do I have to do? Do I have to, like, sketch the Mona Lisa on it for you motherfuckers <laughs> to get it? I mean, seriously. So, Like, here's Mona Lisa's smile here, right? and now and, it's over here. And now it's over here. It's 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 vastly disjointed, if you hadn't noticed, sir. We've got and a real problem. Yeah. <laughs> We've taken Leonardo to Picasso. Picasso. <laughs> oh, a bunch of Italian daddies in that group. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! So, August 28, 1907. Norma McClure finds concrete evidence that the girders have shifted during a scheduled inspection over the weekend he is able to determine that from his first measurement of the 9l cord of the bridge's anchor arm when it first moved it moved like three quarters of an inch out of the line and over the weekend it had moved two and a quarter inches out of the line yeah so remember this guy's not on site constantly he's just doing scheduled inspections Mm -hmm. and he measured that over the weekend that's how much this bridge had already started to shift so unlike anyone else there he flips the fuck out and rightly so because that is just over one weekend now a short amount of time that's a short amount of time for a bridge to go from three quarters of inches to like two and a quarter inches yeah yeah that is terrifying to me that uh, honestly like that's one of my greatest fears to be on a bridge when it collapses i've seen harry potter in the sixth movie okay thank you baby that's exactly and that bridge collapsing. oh and that's a suspension bridge it's even worse oh, exactly oh i just can't i can't do it oh it freaks me out it freaks me out so bad again he's flipped out um now In his current state, he concludes, and in the bridge's current state, he concludes that without a doubt, like, this baby's under some serious stress due to improper construction. Again, Hmm. even the workers are testing that theory with their chalk lines. McClure says, oh, hell no. Hell no. Mm -hmm. Hell no. Hell no. Head straight for Cooper and New York to let him know just how real this situation has gotten. He issues an order to cease all construction until he returns. Okay. Now, and he's he's the site manager, correct? He's the McClure. site manager, yes. And until now now that stands because he's he's Cooper's right hand or man on site and he doesn't necessarily do these inspections all the time. But now he's definitely got concrete evidence that these beams aren't just bending. Something's they didn't wrong. just come bent. Something's yeah. wrong. There's there's massive shifting occurring over a weekend. This shit is real. So he's taken off to New York. But mm-hmm. before he leaves, he issues an order on site that unless they hear from him or they hear from Cooper, no more. Like, octung, alert, stop. But... Mm-hmm. And there's always a butt on this freaking show. Like, always. <laughs> the work was allowed to continue once uh-huh. McClure headed south. 
The work was authorized by Edward A. Hors, which what a fucking name and how appropriate. Chief Engineer of the Bridge Company, a superintendent and chief engineer of the local company on site, went to Hors and magically said, Oh, no, you're good to go ahead with construction. Everything will be cool. Therefore, after McClure left, gave his orders not to continue, they continued construction and put even (sighs) further strain on this bridge. Like, I'm sorry, what the fuck? This guy is supposed to be the chief engineer of a fucking bridge company. Like, who the fuck does he think he is? He hasn't been on site. Does he think, like, oh, they're just being a bunch of fucking pussies. Don't listen to them. Everything's fucking fine. Like, this guy pisses me off. Like, I'm sorry. pisses me off, too. But, like, don't make McClure the only shot caller, you know? Yeah. Because... Or don't make, not McClure, don't make Cooper the only shot Cooper. caller. Yeah. Because McClure was the guy that was there on site, like, seeing it. He should have had, like, the authority, I feel like, to say, hey, shut that shit down. Yeah, because he could see it. I feel like they kind of magicked up a different engineer to be like, oh, no, it's, it's fine. You just keep yeah. doing what you're doing, ass clowns. Like, it's. It's naturally been, it's going to shift in the process, you know, because it's just supposed to happen that way. If it didn't collapse, what were they going to do? Like build it on down into the river? That's my next question. I know. Like, oh, it's it's a wavy bridge. With, it's like a, a roller coaster. We're Wee. all really into the wave here in the United States. You all enjoy <laughs> it too. Like, uh, I don't. I don't understand the logic behind that, but we're never going to understand that. That's what we're here to try to do. So. For the workers, August 29th was already super dicey. Like, these guys had major anxiety. Some just turned a deaf ear to the rumors that were kind of going around. Others needed the money regardless. And others just flat-ass refused to do the work, period, that day. Mm -hmm. Now, despite all signs, they continued... And by they, I mean those in charge to run a schedule train, which... A train is heavy enough, like, alone, right? Yeah. Onto the bridge to move steel from the yard to where it needed to be placed God. in further construction. Yeah. Real time, as this is occurring, Theodore Cooper walks into his New York office that morning to find a fucking panicked Norman McClure, rightly so, <laughs> Waiting sir, to sir, tell him, sir sir sir, 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 this is really important, sir, oh, sir, sir, like <laughs> waiting to tell him there are obvious signs of a very much weakening structure in the bridge. Now, Cooper realized like the seriousness of the sitch to his credit and started like beeping out a telegram ASAP. Wasted no time. He and McClure sent this to... I mean, that's good. That's you, a good thing. You think I, I'm, that. I'm, I'm feeling good about McClure and Cooper right now. Like, I'm having... Uh, and you know what? This. Like, even to the end, I feel pretty good about him. But, again, we'll, we'll kind of get to the argument to the end. Like, one guy can't be in charge of everything. Like, that's just not the way it goes. Especially not okay. when you're on site. But... All right, let's I'm feeling keep going. really, really good about them as well because at least they tried, right? Now, I feel like they're trying. Like they fucked up, obviously, and they realize they fucked up, and they're trying to. I mean, fix at least McClure like 
panicked like a mofo and ran straight to New York. Sir, sir. Well, because again, he was on site. So he saw what was happening and he was like, holy shit. Like, this isn't just some natural bending or natural shifting. This is a big deal. And he like got his ass quickly to New York. And it sounds like the way you just make it sound is like he was like, I'm sorry, McClure, but Cooper is out of the office until tomorrow. Okay, I'll wait. I'll wait. I'll wait wait. right here. I'm just going to sleep right here. That's cool with you. I got nothing but time and panic. Which, no, I very much agree. And um, when it kind of shakes out in the end, we'll talk a little bit more about that. Because I don't don't necessarily feel they deserve the bad. Particularly Cooper deserves the bad rap he gets. And this is why. So he's frantically peeping out that telegram, yeah? Mm -hmm. So he and McClure, uh, McClure sent this telegram to... Mr. John Dean of the Phoenix Bridge Company that we met earlier that was like, oh, no, the beams just came, you know, like, Ben. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the one guy that was like, these ben fucking guys guy. are pussies. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Like, they're fucking pussies. They don't know they're what they're talking pussies. about. They're pussies. They don't know. It was already bit. <laughs> oh, of course. Of course it was. There's nothing wrong with my members. Yours was already mm. bent. I'm a naturally, I'm a naturally bent member. It's just <laughs> the way that it occurs sometimes. It just means God gave me extra angel kisses. <laughs> oh, so telegram, John Dean. So he's with the Phoenix Bridge Company, and mm-hmm. again. There, he he sends this telegram that there is to be, despite the on-site issue, but they double down on it, that there's to be no further work on this bridge until there's time to reassess. Right. But Dean just didn't forward this cable to the site. God. Uh, it wouldn't be body count if he did. So he just decides not to forward this cable to the site, believing 100 in his assessment that the steel members were bent upon arrival from the fabrication yard. Mm -hmm. Now, again, this cable said stop immediately. If they had, then, you know, perhaps they could have, like, strengthened the compression arms, possibly saved the bridge construction. Mm Mm-hmm. Do you think that so, happened? No, of course. But I mean, so like, even though John Dean, right, that's his name. He was like, basically like, oh, even though you have all this evidence, it's not enough for him. So, you know, I'm just going to do what's best, what I think is best. So I'm going to ignore them. Psst. <laughs> they don't know what they're fucking talking about. I just don't understand. Like, even though they've they've given him draw literally chalk lines in the sand you know drawing a line in the sand look sir the sun moves the shadow moves every time the sun moves you know what i mean like plain and simple in front of him and he just i feel like so up on his pedestal like i'm right you're wrong exactly and i feel like it's just the same old story when we do this damn podcast like week after freaking week if yeah. we don't, if we're not doing a deep dive on a historical figure, I mean, this is what we're running into. It's just that somebody knows better, but they don't know better. And right. we know how it's going to end at this point. So back to the site, the workers are feeling 
pretty good about the day, like they're going to make it through as they are almost in the clear for the day. Whistle, 530 whistle that signaled workers to go ahead and put up their tools has blown. However, didn't take place. So here we are. Like normally that 530 whistle blows. They put up their tools. They get to be done at 545. Yeah, my, my husband says like they at the, at the shipyard, they clock out at two, like or they have to put up their tools at like 215, but they can't clock out until 230. Mm-hmm. So it's like one of those things. So yeah, yeah, that makes complete sense. Does that make sense? Okay, good. Yeah. I was hoping that like made sense to everybody. Made sense to me, makes sense to you, whatever else. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. that day, August 29th, 1907. So bear in mind, 5.30, they get this whistle. Everything's in the clear. Everybody's happy. They've put up their tools. That day, 5.37. Oh, no. Most of the workers would never go home again. There was the sound of rending steel, horrible crashing sound as tons of steel. I think like 70,000 tons of steel, something like that, came crashing down. Don't quote me on that. Came crashing down at once. Now, many thought there had been an earthquake and the sound was heard up to 28 miles away. Many described the site as they came running as apocalyptic, which can we just say really, really quickly, never a good descriptor of any kind of situation, right? Like apocalyptic. Most of the men on the bridge that survived were in the St. Lawrence River 300 feet below them before they even realized what had happened. And of oh my course, God. yeah, that's how quick, that's how quick this like thing went down. They were just standing on something and then they weren't. Oh my God. Oh, I can't even imagine. It makes me want to throw up because I have a horrible fear of heights. So like I could never do anything and like that. A quick drop, like a, a huge. Yeah. Like, like just boof. And a free fall of 300 feet i mean a bunch of people were knocked out upon impact came to in the water and were like rescued by boats can you imagine mm-hmm. no jesus but it oh bethany it's gonna get so much worse so buckle up and of course as we know this wouldn't be body count if they weren't the lucky ones the men yeah. near the shore were less lucky than those that fell into the river. If they missed being crushed by the falling debris, they were inexorably trapped just as the tidewaters were beginning to rise in St. Lawrence River. So those trapped were now slowly drowning as their friends and family fucking watched. There was just no way of getting them out. I think, I mean, think about that. There's 70 tons of steel and girders and whatever else on top of them. Some of the trapped men were calling out, begging to be killed before they could die of drowning, which, uh, yeah, just like, fucking kill me. Fu- exactly. Please fucking kill me and be done with it. I, I think we both agree on that. Like, yeah, I'm not going to sit there and drown, like, just do it, do it now. 
if I if you can't get me out of here, like have the decency to shoot me in the face. Yeah, please, please. It's one. I don't know. Like drowning in heights are two big fears of mine. So this one, like, really freaking got to me. Um, well, see, this this just reminds me. So I've read the Hunger Games series. Uh, well, we all have. have. Well, I reread that series just like I do Harry Potter. And it it really reminds me of the part where I think it's it's the first one where it's Cato and he gets mauled by those dogs. And finally, they decide to. Yeah, she decides to take him out of his misery, even though he was a worthless piece of crap. Like when you just discuss that, it just reminded me of that moment because like. They could hear his screams and his pains. It doesn't agony. matter. Like your freaking humanity has to kick in at some point. And what a freaking moral juxtaposition that must be. You don't want to kill anybody. I can see but- you. I can see you. I can hear you. I can't help you, but I don't want to watch you die. And you I'm not going to watch you drown suffer. for five and a half hours. I'm just not going to watch you suffer. Like, sorry. That's and the fact horrific. Either it's just a, how fucking hard, how fucking tragic is this? That and the panic of drowning, like oh my god, like I'm not, I'm not gonna do that to somebody. Like do the uh, right thing in this situation. I agree. They're asking, do the right thing. Oh god, I mean, I, I can't even imagine. I can't even imagine in modern day, like. And, and and people are put into this situation in modern day, but I cannot. Yeah. Oh, it makes me want to barf because these are two big fears of mine. So yeah. of the 100 laborers there that day, 76 died. A Royal Commission reported on March 10th, 1910, that the Quebec Bridge and Railway Company and the Phoenix Bridge Companies, as well as Theodore Cooper, were at fault. Now, the mm. Quebec Bridge and Railway Company was ruined. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm going to say myself. Well, Phoenix Bridge, they, they were the ones. That's where, Dean, that's where John Dean came from. He's the one that did it for the telegram. I don't. Yeah. I think that is a massive, like, historical fuck up right there myself. I'd say the majority of the problem rests on the Phoenix Bridge Company out of good old Phoenixville, PA. If they're still in service today, fuck you, sirs. Like, mm-hmm. you, you got, historical you piece of shit. <laughs> you, you got, got lucky. lucky. You got lucky. Um, Because I really don't believe that the Quebec Bridge and Railway Company... I feel like the engineer that was on site that made that call was forced into that call by the Phoenix yeah. Bridge Company, you know? And and they're the ones that didn't forward the telegram. You're exactly right. In the end, the call yeah. was up to them and they killed the chain there. And then this is what kills me. So, like, being associated with one of the most catastrophic Bridge disasters in the world ruined Theodore Cooper's long and illustrious career. Now, mm. this was supposed to be like the, the glittering jewel. Yes, ma'am. Exactly What's it called? right. The crown jewel. Right? The crown jewel. The I was going to say the cl- the glittering jewel in his crown of achievement, but you're oh, exactly sorry. right. The crown jewels, if you will. Like, of his entire career, and, 
like instead it became the failure of in- entire life's work. And I don't, yeah, there were mistakes made, but ultimately. He tried to redeem himself. He, he really tried did. to redeem himself. And ultimately the bridge design came down once again to the Phoenix Bridge Company. So I feel like we're almost here to like rewrite history and be like, no, 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 no. The, like, ultimately, he tried to do the right thing. I feel like the Quebec, like, bridge and railway company was pushed into the right thing by the Phoenix Bridge Company. Bridge Company. Yeah, I'm with you there. Okay, good. I just wanted to make sure we were both on the same page of that assessment. Because yeah. I feel like, uh, here's the worst part. Theater Cooper, like, gives up on life and dies a few months later. What? No. I know. It's it's freaking crazy. Right? Like. I bet he felt guilty. Right? right? Isn't that heartbreaking? Because I don't feel like it's on him. He did everything. Like, the bridge could have been saved. Yeah. And he tried. He he tried. He really did try. I don't feel like it's necessarily fair. But again, they shouldn't have put all the major calls to come from one person Mm -hmm. because there's always a chance that those underneath him, they're not going to make the appropriate call, I suppose I should say. So despite this major setback, the governments of Canada and Quebec went ahead with their plans to once again construct a bridge. Bethany, it gets worse. This time, whoo under the guidance of the newly formed St. Lawrence Bridge Company over the next two years, remnants of the old bridge are slowly hauled out of the St. Lawrence fucking river. And the wow. second bridge's construction began in 1912. The design remained of that of the Cantilever Bridge, and it remained of the same size. Well, of course it did, because a man's never going to downsize. But with a slight difference. So the original design was to build from each side and meet in the middle, right? Okay. This time, they build almost together and plan to bring in like a 150-foot portion of the middle where the bridges are going to come together and like place it in front. Finish the bridge. Smart, right? Yeah, I'm I'm down for that. That I'm down for that as well. So, summer 1916, the two arms that it's going to work out. Four years, right? So, it's been four years. Okay. They only waited five years after the death of all those people before they were like, let's just build it again. Let's do it again. Uh, It's a fucking game (laughs) of Plinko, right? They've got these two arms, like, down, place complete. And Mm -hmm. they're ready for that sweet little centerpiece to work its way up. So it was to be floated downriver and put in place with hydraulic jacks, right? Like, makes total sense to this point. Now, despite choosing the best workers and WB Fortune, which was head engineer, being on hand and on the site, one of the jacks fails on September 11th, 1916, collapses back into the river, and a further 13 people are killed. For fuck's sakes, man. They can't catch a fucking break. 
Right. I mean, like, at that point, I fucking Christ. Everybody's on site, best workers. Like, at that point, it's just a fucking fluke. You know? It's, what are you going to do? One of the jacks fails? Like, I can't say for a fact they tested it. Again, it was 1916. It wasn't exactly cutting edge of regulatory policy, but I feel like they probably did test it quite a bit, considering what had happened previously. Like, what are you going to do? I mean, I do have to give it to them. At least they learned from their previous mistake, and they were like, we're going to go with the original idea. Right, in this country. Well, they didn't go with the original. It was still the 1,800 feet. Right, but I mean, they... they You're exactly right. They moved the beams. They moved their placement poles. Like, they rethought out the design of the... Let's learn from this tragic... Cantilever Bridge. Like, exactly. Which is more than we do in this country. (laughs) But, again, this was a joint effort between Canadians and the United States. And I thought this was a really well-thought-out plan... And I thought as I was reading and researching and doing all these articles, I thought, oh, man, that's a good idea. Like, that takes out the risk. So I thought. (laughs) Yeah. Woo. Boy, was I wrong. So, (laughs) despite the second tragedy, um, I have to say, like, nobody was willing to give up on this bridge. I mean... I it mean, met- you, gotta, you gotta hand it to them. They they yeah. really have not given up. Uh, no, for them. they're not going to. But there are a couple factors in that. Essentially, because the Industrial Revolution is in the place that it's in now, it means the economic future of Quebec City. And furthermore, you have to understand, by the summer of 1916, there's a uh, there's a world war, yeah, sort of going on. Um. They needed this bridge. It had to be completed. And end of the day, like, there's no choice. Look, you got to have this bridge. So build that bridge. Like, you didn't have a choice. What are you going to do? Like, if you don't have the bridge, you fall behind in the industrialization race. Um, You don't build the bridge you're not going to be able to do a massive movement of war goods that you need to be able to do as you're fighting a world fucking war. But further than that, you already have like all of the bridge in place minus 150 feet of it. I mean, yeah. I still finish it. Might as well <laughs> give it another go. Right? Like that's kind of where I was at. So they make a second attempt on raising the metal piece on September 20th, 1917. And guess what, Bethany? They did it. They did it. Yay! Yay! You did it. You did it. Uh, you did it. Uh, All right. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> literally, like, third time's a charm. <laughs> exactly. Literally, in this case, third time's a charm. So, September 20th, 1917, they do it. And this, I don't know why, it like particularly touched me as a human moment because everybody that was there just went absolutely like crazy. Yeah, I bet. Like people that were in boats were like just laying on the horns. The workers exploded and it just particularly touched me. Mm -hmm. It was good times in Quebec. Now, in the end though, 
the world's largest cantilever bridge at the time, costs over $25 million and claimed 89 lives. Man. And here's what I love about this story and hate about this story. Um, Yet, in all that time, the Quebec Bridge has been studied more than any other bridge in the world. And collectively, we all learned, and I mean not just the United States, not just Canada, we, the world, learned Mm -hmm. just how careful and precise the design process must be. Um, If you were to build a similar bridge today, this problem would never occur. Yeah. But why? Because we learned from the tragic events of Quebec. Yeah, exactly. You're exactly right. Like that knowledge, I don't know. I don't know what the most important lesson is this week, guys, because I'm a little bit conflicted. Um, Maybe never, ever. And this is how I'm going to pursue it. Never. Exactly. Should you put the weight on one person, entire project on one person? Yeah, especially that big. I mean, haven't ever people heard the like, I mean, the phrase two minds are better than one, but like in this case, when you've got this big of a 1800 foot bridge, that's literally your entire, you know, entire city of Quebec is counting on this bridge. 70,000 plus tons of steel. Yeah. And you're having one person on site managing it. He can't make the call. Uh, One person's in charge of the project. Other people are allowed to undermine his call. However, end of day, it was up to Cooper. And I will say, I will, I will say this is where he failed because he was supposed to be the people manager. End of day. Like when you manage people, you manage people and you make sure everybody's doing what they're supposed to do. Whether you have to scare them, whether you have to make them love you, I don't care what that yeah. is you you have to like Machiavelli your way through that shit yeah so it was up to Cooper to make sure that the people under him took orders or needed to have like he needed to have assumed complete control you know right but such a project to me isn't like really achievable by yourself is yeah. it I mean I mean to you, is it? It's not to me. No, I always have to. It doesn't matter how big or small my project is. More than likely, like I get to a point where I'm like, fuck, I need some help. Like, like, what do I do in this podcast when I am just beyond overwhelmed? What do I do? Like, well, first of all, you avoid my texts. Oh, and that's um, when I know. Uh, that's yeah. when I know you're overwhelmed. You know, well, and finally, let's not you just have get to break into down the psychology of me. Let's skip ahead to that and let's get <laughs> to my breakdown point, Bethany, where I'm like, just please fucking take Twitter. I'm going to explode. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, and I think there is a point to that. And I that's why I wanted to cover this one this week. Yeah. Because I learned something personal to me and to this podcast about it. So. Even if you are as confident in your abilities as Theodore Cooper, like communication is key. Now, we certainly absorb this lesson, 
I will say as a nation day after day, but I don't know that we necessarily hear it, if that makes sense. Like, polarization is for the birds, guys. Nothing is achieved without communication. Nothing Mm -hmm. is achieved without everybody coming together. But projects, nations, they only work if we're united. Now, if we never remember this as a nation... Really quickly, I want to talk about someone told me recently, and I know I re- I mentioned it on the last episode, but I hadn't really come to terms with You used it against it. me the other day. I did use it against you, very weaponized the other day, and I felt really bad for it. But it was I felt like really good. And- no, and I feel like this episode, this is why I wanted to do it with you, Bethany, because I feel like this episode, since I weaponized that exact term against you, and not that it was we- it, it wasn't weaponized against me. It was told to me in a very matter of fact, like this is just the way life is. Well, the thing is that at the end of the day, only we are able to control ourselves. Oh. That's the saying that we are we are discussing right now. Like it really just has so changed our perspective. And if you have anxiety of things, and, and for me, my anxiety comes from a lot of outsourcing. Sometimes I do a lot of my anxiety of, of course, of internal, but a lot of my anxiety comes from outside sources or outside people. And when I had a moment of weakness, Jessica threw that at me and she was like, remember, Bethany, only you can control you. And it like, it sucked at first, but it's it just, it's one of those things where you're like, damn it. Dude, no, Bethany, I have to tell you, like, I mean, but you were there. You were there when it was thrown at me. Yeah. And what a freaking nutcase was I last week. Like, (laughs) it might actually have, have saved us a great deal of anxiety in life, ultimately. And so when I was reading this and when I was going through this, And I know we've talked about it many times, but I'll say it again. It really resonated deeply with me because of that. And ultimately, at the end of the day, we control our interactions with others and how we respond. And that means we choose to be alone in whatever project we take on, or we choose to rely on and properly organize others. It's up to us. So we can take that information and apply it to our own lives. Great triumph comes out of great tragedy on the national scale, all the way down to the individual. So nothing of great magnitude should ever be placed on the shoulders of just one person. Mm -hmm. Do what you will with that, guys. I don't know about you, Bethany. We can talk about it a little bit more if you want to, but that kind of does it for me this week. Like my point being, if we continue to understand that communication is key, if we continue to understand that that you're not alone in building anything, that this needs to be distributed through your network of people. And if you don't have one, build one. If not, we'll be your network of people. Yeah. We literally we'll be will. Friends. We'll be your We're friends. Up. Anxiety is a real thing, guys. Um, We're all in this together. together. <laughs> oh my god Sorry, high school musical just kicked in sorry about really? that y'all because we're 12 <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Well, well, we're not 12. Well, no, but... but we just really love musicals. I'm sorry. Sorry. Not whether sorry. Whether it's old Hairspray, like whether it's John Waters' Hairspray, the new one, we just quite frankly don't care. We love musicals that much. We'll watch them all. Yes. Oh, my God, Bethany. I'm so glad we got to talk about that because, like, it, it being thrown at me – and then me throwing it at you and then how it relates to this story this week. Because I still, Absolutely. quite frankly, haven't gotten over it. That's why I take so calmly the news that so many people hate my voice. Whereas <laughs> other people love it. And you know what? I We're going to do us. I also watched the new season of uh, Grace and Frankie. So my new saying is just fuck it. You know, like if you don't like it, fuck it. I don't really care. Mm-hmm. Um, now, really quickly, that's going to bring us to our happy time. Counter culture. Yes. Oh, my Come God. join our cult, everyone. Uh, uh, uh. Like, we <laughs> promise we're not going to take you down to Guyana and kill you. We, our cult is actually about love. And about yeah. sharing, because mm-hmm. in no way do we have the organization that Jim Jones has. <laughs> <laughs> no, not even close. No, we're a mess of human beings, so just join our anxiety cult, basically, is what we're asking <laughs> you to do. Be anxious with, with us. <laughs> I don't really have anything except Other- my normal plug, you know. CareRescueTexas.com, CareRescueTexas on social media. Please, 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 guys, go and check them out, especially on Instagram. I promise you, you will fall in massive love, especially when you see the amazing rescue work that they do with their animals. Bethany, have you ever looked at them yet? You don't have to. Oh, you have? Adorbs. Adorbs. But, like... The tigers are the, is that not just like, oh God. And the pictures are so good. And the lemurs and the dogs and the dogs and cats and the lemurs. Oh Oh my God. (laughs) Because I love Madagascar and I'm 12, like again, I'm mentally 12. I'm not an adult. Um, (laughs) So when I see dogs, cats and lemurs together, I just lose my shit. That's (laughs) I love Care Rescue Texas. They're absolutely amazing organization. Please go support them. Now, Bethany. Yes. That takes us into what made you happy this week. Oh, you know, okay. So um, for those of you that don't know, we started doing something recently. It's uh, you can download this app called Live. <laughs> I know where okay. you're going. And it's a, it's basically just a broadcast system. People get on there and they have live chats. They, you can, you can pop into people's things and talk and, and stuff like that. So we've been doing something with the people from Ask for Cast, which we've plugged them in our counterculture before. If you haven't heard them. Or, and or if you don't know them, them, I think it's at Majestic Melody, at Rick and Rick Roller, mm-hmm. and, and then at Really Linden. Yeah. I think so. Yes. I assume. Oh, no. I (laughs) I feel bad now. We shouldn't plug them on. I know that's Missy's for sure. 
anyway, we, we do this live me app and we go on there. We also um, meet up with the, um, people that are on despair and distress podcast. And no. we also recommended them too. So really quickly, um, we, just a Twitter plug for them. They are only at despair and distress. They don't have their personal Twitters. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just, it's just their so podcast. It's, it's just their podcasts. Yes. And we, uh, other people too, like there's some incredibly <laughs> funny people from Australia and all. Oh over my world. God. I am really good. Like, honestly, like a God. feel for who we are on there. <laughs> like, our veil is off. <laughs> like, <laughs> as horrified as I am to come on week to week, and as nervous as I am to come on week to week to do our actual podcast, I cannot describe to you guys what I feel like when I get on to live me, but about 10 minutes into it, you're going to have no idea that I was ever like concerned about the process. I agree with Bethany. Like you want to punch through the veil. We like go beyond it. Yeah. There's, there's no holding back. We don't want to horrify you though. Like it's not like we're, we're talking about theoretical physics or we're talking about. It is stuff that might actually petrify you. It might petrify you or <laughs> playing a lot of games of never have or I ever. Or you might, or you might actually fall more in love with us. You or, know, quite frankly, we <laughs> don't know what your uh, hat bag of tricks is, but if this is too much for you, I'm going to say that's probably going to be beyond the pale. Maybe <laughs> don't join the live me, but that's just me. Um, yeah. But we have a great, great freaking time doing it. And, and we do it throughout the week. And yes. we're really, really thankful for Ask for Cast for letting us do it with them. First off, incredible yeah. of you guys. And second, for Despair and Distress for like supporting us and our anxiety. Because again, we're like an anxiety driven podcast. I like yeah. Bethany and I at the end of the day. Can't crawl out of bed without medication, guys. It's just the way that it is. And, you know, we're here for you. Yeah. We're all in the same boat. We're all in the same boat. All right. Well, um, that kind of wraps it up for us this week. You can contact us on email on our website at www.bodycountpod.net where you can definitely listen. You can find links to purchase our source material if you would really like to do a deep dive, which we just skimmed the surface, so go and check them out. Um, you can DM me on Twitter and Instagram with any suggestions that you guys have. We want to know what you want to hear about. Follow the show at bodycount on Instagram and Twitter, and Body Count on Facebook. Please tell your friends about us. Please, please, please subscribe, rate, review the show. We drop every Wednesday wherever you can listen to podcasts, including Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, etc. Audio Boom. Yeah. Audio Boom. You can get us there ah. as well. Uh, search Body Count. We pop right up. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Jessica B. Manor. And where do we find you at, Bethany? Um, okay, so you can find me on Twitter at Bethany Skelton5. Um, you can also find me on Instagram at Bethany RN24. And then Facebook is Bethany Rose Skelton. That does it for us this week. That was yeah. fun. Okay. It was fun. It was definitely an exploration of the human spirit. I will put it that way. Here, here. 
As per always here at Body Count, a disturbing exploration of the human spirit. So we love you guys. We love you so much. And we'll talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.